In his book, The Brothers Karamazov, Fyodor Dostoevsky describes well the tremendous responsibility and influence a Christian has on his neighbor. The character Father Zosimos offers advice to the young man Alyosha, saying, the criminal in your community may be less guilty for his crime than you, his Christian neighbor. For you could have been a light to the evildoer, yet you were not. For the man remained beside you in darkness. Had you been the kind of example you ought to have been and allowed your light to shine on that lost man's path, perhaps he might not have stumbled into his crime. If you had loved your neighbor as yourself and lavished upon him some of the care you generously lavish upon yourself, shared some of the warmth God has privileged you to possess, that criminal might have changed in time. Today's Gospel lesson, The Last Judgment, also implies the responsibility we have in caring for the other. In fact, our judgment and salvation depends on how we treat our neighbor. The Philokalia says, Blessed is the one who rejoices in his salvation, but even more blessed is the one who rejoices in the salvation of the other. Here's the heart of the gospel and the center of all the teachings of Jesus Christ. We know that the greatest commandments are two, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But today, in the Gospel reading, we realize that such love can never simply be theory. Instead, the two loves are intertwined in concrete actions. In fact, through these actions, we come to understand that love for God and love for the other are one and the same, precisely because God lives within each person. Every person possesses the divine image of God. Some of us may have heard of different stories that reflect this great truth. Some of us may have heard of St. Martin of Tours, who, when entering a city on a cold day, he saw a beggar shivering from the elements, asking for alms. And although Martin had nothing to give him, he offered the little that he did have. He took off his old, ragged army coat and gave it to the shivering beggar. That night, as Martin dreamt, he saw a vision of Christ walking in the glory of his kingdom. And as he was walking around, he was wearing a ragged old army coat. When the angel, an angel asked him, Lord, why are you wearing such a dirty, ragged old coat? Jesus responded, because my beloved child Martin gave it to me today. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was alone in prison and in the hospital and you visited me. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, for whatever you did to one of these, the least of my brothers or sisters, you did to me. What is so intriguing about this passage from today's parable is not that we will be judged by our prayers. We will not be judged by our church attendance. We will not be judged by the way we fast or by following some other religious regulations. 
What's fascinating is that we will be judged by one factor, our ability to love in a concrete yet simple manner. And no person, no matter how poor they are, can find an excuse for not fulfilling this command. Christ didn't say, you didn't solve the world problems of hunger. But he simply said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Jesus didn't say, you didn't heal me from my illnesses. But he did say, I was sick, and you visited me. And Christ didn't complain, I was in prison and you didn't free me. No, instead, he judges us because we didn't do what was within our ability, a simple visit. God waits and seek, seeks for us to do little acts, little acts, but with great love. And remember, nowhere do we see God telling us to offer love only to those who deserve it. It doesn't depend on us to analyze and determine whether someone is worthy of our help. Our acts of love need to be spontaneous acts springing from a heart full of the love of God. We don't need to judge why one is in prison, why one is hungry, why one is naked. Maybe they made some mistakes in their lives, and one day they, will, they themselves will have to give an accounting before Christ for their own actions. But we also will be judged for what, what we know God expects from us and for our inability in fulfilling his commandments. From this gospel lesson, we also find an answer to a commonly asked question by skeptics. Sometimes you hear people say, where's God in the midst of this tragedy? If God is love, why, doesn't he, why does he allow such suffering, pain, and sorrow? The answer we hear today is that God does act by sending each one of us. God is in the midst of suffering when we are present, ready to fulfill his role as his ambassadors, wiping away the tears from those who are struggling. I remember a number of years ago during the Kosovo War back in 1999, when I lived in Albania as a missionary with my family. And during that war, more than a half a million mostly Muslim Kosovar refugees flooded into Albania in total bewilderment and desperation. Many came with nothing but the clothes on their backs. No matter what position they held before the war, doctors, professionals, wealthy businessmen, many fled their homes and instantly entered the category of beggars. One of the blessings in this crisis, however, is how we were able to act as the hands of God in reaching out to those in need. I understood in a new way the saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we felt so blessed to have the opportunity to walk with people who are struggling to listen to people who are suffering, to offer whatever help, no matter how small it was, to offer whatever help we could by giving food, passing out mattresses, simply visiting those who felt marginalized and desperate and lonely in the refugee camps. 
One week after the war ended, when most of the refugees had returned to their homes, I received a call from one of the men whom I had met at the Orthodox Church's refugee camp. His name was Ramadan, obviously a Muslim, and he and his entire family had been touched by the love they witnessed at our camp. From our seminarians who visited there regularly to our church's Diakonia Rapi office staff that set up the camp, that took care of their needs, Ramadan asked to meet me in my office in the Archdiocese in Tirana after the war. And when I saw him, he gave me a big oil painting and said this was a small token of his appreciation for all that the church had done for him. And I'll never forget these words he said, through the love you and your students showed us, I came to understand what Christianity is all about. You visited us, you sat with us, you listened to us, you cried with us, you helped us both materially and spiritually. And although I've seen such horrible evil these past months of the war, I've also witnessed the beauty of God's love through you, his followers. Although the war initially created within this man a terribly negative perception about Christians in general and Orthodox Christians in particular, from the tragedy of the war came an opportunity for Christ's disciples to offer concrete love without questions and without judgment. Simple love through visits and basic aid. From this experience, I realized more than ever that we truly are God's hands and feet. We are his presence for other people. As we Orthodox Christians around the world prepare for the great journey of Lent, a journey that partially begins today on Meat Fair Sunday, the day when we, the last day that we have to eat meat, let us remember one of the most crucial elements of our great Lenten journey. Of course, fasting, self-discipline, and ascesis are important tools needed to help us prepare for our journey toward Pascha. But today's Gospel lesson clearly portrays not the means, but the essence of what we are called to do and to be. Let us use the spiritual tools of Lent, the fasting, the prayer, the discipline, the ascesis, to help us cultivate the essence of our faith, concrete love through simple actions to all people. Mother Maria Skopcova, an Orthodox nun who helped many destitute and needy people in Paris during World War II and prior to World War II, reaching out to the many Russian immigrants who had fled the war in Russia and ended up in Paris. Mother Maria, who now is a canonized saint of our church, Saint Maria, she helped many marginalized and desperate people, including during World War II, many Jews. And for this, she was eventually arrested and imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp where she met her untimely death. But before she died, she stated this, at the last judgment, I shall not be asked if I was successful in my ascetic exercises. I will not be asked how many prostrations I made 
during the course of my prayers, I shall be asked one thing, that I feed the hungry, that I clothe the naked, that I visit the sick, that I comfort the prisoners. That's all I shall be asked. Whatever you do to the least of my brothers or sisters, you do to me. May these words be words we reflect on and think about. Who do we consider the least in our society? Who do we marginalize or ignore? Or who do we consider at the periphery? How do we treat them? Because however we treat them, that's how we're treating our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, we have the reminder, the sober reminder. Whatever you do, whatever I do, whatever we do to the least of our brothers and sisters, we do to Christ. So let us go out this week and every week trying to treat the marginalized with the deepest respect, the deepest love, with even simple acts of kindness and goodness and love.